just like that. The second hour is here. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coming up in 20 minutes, Clay Travis joins us as he does each and every Wednesday on the show. If you're joining us on YouTube, we say hello. You can certainly chime in in the chat. Chat is there currently. I need to jump in there every now and then. Yeah, you need to. It's a it's a wonderful land. We're just full of information, opinions, banter, Link, links, support. We got flags. support for sleep paralysis going on right yeah, now. Yeah, I appreciate that. A little bit of everything. Chad, uh, how surprised are you that they they're firing Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern with cause? Now there's forty two million dollars, I believe, left on his contract or the current deal. But based on the the details and the fact that. Three days after they announced a two-week suspension without pay, it goes from that to firing him with cause. Doesn't there have to be another detail or two that is so massive that it leads them to jump to that after the president uh, of, of Northwestern met with the board of directors, met with faculty and students, but specifically the board of directors who he's going to report to, to come to the next conclusion, which was, he's out. And we're going to fight the battle that will come where he, Fitzgerald, will fight for the money remaining on his contract. Firing him without cause, he's getting the remainder of that contract. Well, I think that there's, there's a reason that Pat Fitzgerald in his statement said, I've retained legal counsel but they've also, to fight for my legal rights. They also admitted they could not show or prove that, well, that, whether or not he knew. That's what I was going to get to. Yeah, is that's bizarre. They released Unless a statement saying that we, after the over six-month-long investigation, we can't prove that he definitely had knowledge of it, but we think he probably should have had knowledge of it and what was going on, so he's going to be suspended for two weeks. Then a weekend passed, a report came out in the student newspaper, and suddenly two weeks isn't enough. He's fired, and not only are you fired, you're fired with cause. The only way Northwestern should do this is to fire him with cause. If you weren't going to fire him with cause, paying him $42 million to not coach or whatever the buyout was going to be is a ridiculous decision by then. So if you're going to fire someone over a scandal, that scandal needs to reach the level of firing with cause, especially when it's Pat Fitzgerald, this notable alum, well-liked, I wouldn't even say like loved part of the university – For 26 years, he spent at Northwestern. So if you're going to fire a guy like that, it better be for cause. And you better save the university some money in doing so. Pat Fitzgerald's coming back and saying, you just released a long investigation and a report that says, we can't prove that he knew. My attorneys are now going to take that information that you have presented and show you that I didn't know, and you're going to pay me some money. Where does this all end up? I think they're going to end up paying him some sort of settlement. In the end, Somewhere in the middle. And he's going to get money. Um, but, yeah, I mean, from a I, Northwestern perspective, if you make the move to fire him, I think you absolutely have to do it with cost. Well, so there was a move. At least attempt to do it that way. The, the first report, there was a player and then another player uh, validating what the source was telling the Daily Northwestern. Then it went to 11 players, and that came out with the firing. There has to be something within that jump because if the only way if you're looking for a way out of pat fitzgerald's deal and you have to fire him with cause you don't start by suspending him for two weeks and then you come to some agreement with him based on the suspension in the middle of summer with your coach who has agreed to 
whatever it was and doing that without pay. And then the next thing is the firing him without cause. You just, I don't know what came out in the last three days other than other people coming forward. And I'm just trying to, in common sense, in the common sense world, which is hard to find, how they made that jump with cause, but they can't prove if he knew or not. That, that to me, is a key detail, and we haven't heard any more details from the president, who's been very vocal through statements and other no, things. No, but the president did say more came forward with additional details right. since that investigation. And I would have to think that some of those additional details involve Pat Fitzgerald directly being around for some of it, if they're going to make this move with cause. But they did a six-month investigation. The six-month investigation didn't find it. Also, they only interviewed a little over 50. That sounds like a lot, 50 people. But from 2006 to now, 17 years as a head coach, You're right. 50-plus people, that's not a lot of interviews over six months to conduct. Chad, I think Tommy Reese is a great uh, candidate for this gig. He was a, he's a former grad assistant at Northwestern. His father has ties there as well, working there. He's you know, the former OC at Notre Dame, so he knows the academic uh, eligible requirements that Northwestern would also have in place. And it's a very low expectation gig for a young up-and-coming coach that's looking for an opportunity to be in that spot. I mean, all, when I say low expectation, Pat Fitzgerald went like 3-24 and 24 over the last three years uh, that was non-COVID. It's not like it was a huge success rate. And, I mean, record-wise, they're losing Mr. Northwestern. They're not losing the coach that was getting them above and beyond where they had been. I mean, that happened, what, 2018 is whenever he was coach of the year. He's had good moments. But... I would look down the route of the up-and-coming offensive coordinator version of what they want to do. Now, here's the struggle in that. He's now at Alabama, and one season with success at Alabama gets him a better gig than the Northwestern football job. So do you pick up the phone and call and ask for permission now, even though you've named the interim? Or do you just wait because here at Northwestern, we don't give a damn about sports? It's a it's a great question. Um, I I think they're going to end up settling on someone young when they end up hiring. So Tommy Reese would definitely fit that description at his age and really lack of experience up up until now to take a chance on someone. I'm going to throw out two names though that I think would be absolute home runs from a cultural standpoint and an experience standpoint at a place like Northwestern, okay. with the academic rigors, uh, playing in in major high level conference college football one is David Shaw who currently is doing nothing uh, that's out at Stanford he's 50 years old uh, if you want someone who's shown he can win at a academically prestigious school David Shaw is your guy with what he did at Stanford for so long it's a good one um, I think that would make a lot of sense I that would be a grand slam for Northwestern don't know if they can make it happen don't know what David Shaw wants to do next the other one that I thought about was Dave Clawson at Wake Forest Northwestern's in a better conference situation in the Big Ten than in the ACC. Does Dave Clawson feel like he's done everything he can? He just lost Sam Hartman, a stud, you know, once in every 10 to 20 years type player, possibly, for Wake Forest. He transfers out and is going to Notre Dame. So is Dave Clawson sitting around thinking, you know, maybe I'm tapped out here 
had a lot of success. I can go somewhere else that's academically high-minded, but be in a better conference at Northwestern. Dave Clawson would be another great fit for Wake Forest. Tommy Reese Hutton is the more realistic of candidates, and I think they'll eventually settle for someone young. Like that. That hasn't had any head coaching experience or very little, or even if they have, it's been at a lower level. But if you want to swing big with guys that I think make sense for that program and have done it at a high level yep. at academically-minded places, David Shaw at Stanford, Dave Clawson, two Daves. Dave Clawson at Wake Forest would fit great at Northwestern. Chad, Kirby Smart, he's rattled. And next week here in Nashville, SEC Media Days, they will be on center stage. And it sounds as though he's going to be extremely defensive and not uh, proactive with sending a new tone or a new message about all the off-field issues within the program uh, since he got there. Um, what do you make of the way Georgia, the way Kirby Smart is approaching this, knowing that next week, there is going to be plenty of questions about everything from uh, street racing to assault that will be on the table and he's going to be asked about. Well, this is an old play from a very old playbook that Kirby Smart's going about right now. It's screaming about one thing over here so you don't look at what's over here, okay? Mm -hmm. This is what the University of Georgia is doing. They are sending a retraction letter to the AJC, the Atlanta, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, because they feel they were un... They were uncharacteristically depicted in a way that they are light on sexual assault in one story from the AJC that's separate of all the traffic incidents that led to two members of their program's death, separate of all that. And even Kirby Smart says, yeah, we got a problem with guys speeding and traffic issues around here, but we take it very seriously about sexual assault, and we think that this story is factually incorrect from the AJC. So they have sent something to them saying, take it down, retract it, whatever. But what Kirby Smart is showing right now is that this has gotten to him because yes. this is back-to-back -back national championship winning head coach Kirby Smart that's had to spend an entire offseason reading negative headline after negative headline about his program. Coming to Nashville next week for SEC Media Days, he's going to get some uncomfortable questions, not just about the sexual assault stuff, which I thought, by the way, his quote was really good in what he said about it, and I believe him on it. And I think that Georgia thinks they're in the right on this and that the AJC screwed some things up. I, I believe what they're saying on that. At least I believe that they believe those things and they're not just lying about it. But what's telling is what they're not talking about in this and what they're not demanding retractions on. And that is the fact that I've said since these stories started popping that their program has turned Athens, Georgia into the set of the next Fast and the Furious movie. And that is an issue that he acknowledges in his complaints about the AJC. That has to be remedied. There are cultural problems within the Georgia program. Even Kirby Smart cannot refute that with what's been happening. But here's the good news for Kirby Smart. None of it matters with his own school, fan base, boosters, anyone until they start losing. And I still see a roster stacked with four- and five-star players that Hutton, I don't think he's going to lose anytime soon. So this is going to be a big talking point at SEC Media Days. He's going to have to answer some questions about it. And then they're going to get right back to winning on the field, and Georgia people aren't going to care because the talking points are going to be this fall about Georgia playing again for a chance to get into the college football playoff and win a third straight national title.
Totally agree. It's the street racing aspect of this is not University of Georgia and no one else. This is a statewide issue. The governor ran a, a, a and pushed a bill through to raise the penalty for street racing across the state. Specifically, they were having issues in the Atlanta area during COVID. And they raised it from what was a very minimum fine if you were caught doing this to where you could serve up to 12 months in jail. You know, the old 1129 or whatever it is uh, in, in county jail. Uh, a $1,000 plus fine would be also added to that. They're trying, they, they have an issue across the state. That's why he acknowledged it because it's been an, an edict from the top down from the state representatives and from the governor himself. And, and I, I'm thinking to myself here, that has to be on the forefront of what he's going to say in his opening statement. It has to be because that's the message of the state of Georgia, not the University of Georgia. Yeah. No, I don't know how you ignore it. I, I think that he's, he's going to come in very prepared. And he's going to have a statement ready about it. And he's going to say that in his opening remarks. And he's going to hope that what he says in the statement is going to lead to a lack of questions about it or he can refer back to his opening statement. Yeah. But I do think that Kirby Smart is, is smart enough to come into this thing with a prepared statement and he's going to acknowledge an issue. At play. He's also going to acknowledge that I, we take it very seriously. That what's going on, and we've talked to our players about it, we take all this stuff very seriously. So this was the first strike levied by Georgia going into media days about this separate report about a lackadaisical approach to sexual assault with the football program. That they're refuting, and they're demanding retraction on that story. That's just step one of this. The rest is going to be answering questions and talking about the street racing issues. Rob Manford, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, retracting the decision that was made to remove the All-Star game out of Atlanta due to new voting laws that were put in place and the controversy there that was stirred up uh, by the vocal minority and by uh, you know one side versus the other that they responded to the mob instead of just sticking with the fans. Um, he said that Atlanta is under consideration for the 2025 All-Star Game. And that's where they have it right now. He wasn't going to speak further because they were also considering Chicago with the Cubs at Wrigley, Baltimore, and Toronto. All of those haven't hosted the All-Star Game um, since Atlanta hosted the All-Star Game in 2000. But the Braves were supposed to host it in 2021. They moved it to Colorado. And just by acknowledging that they're under consideration, Chad, isn't this Manfred saying that hey, we're, we're back in Atlanta, and it's going to be sooner rather than later for the 2025 All-Star game. I think it's more about keeping the other fan bases at bay while they kick the can down the road to host the All-Star game because Atlanta's going to get it. Well, it's an acknowledgement that he's saying, we won the initial headline and the momentary headline from mainstream media when we canceled on Atlanta for the All-Star Game with the Voting Rights Act that happened, the bill that was put into place. And now, years later, well, we don't really care about it. It doesn't matter anymore. That's kind of gone away. We're not talking about it. So Atlanta's fair game again. It was a ridiculously bad decision to begin with. And while Rob Manfred's never going to admit it being a bad decision, the fact that he's coming back now in such a short amount of time and saying, yeah, we're considering them for 2025, that's as close as you're going to get to an admission of guilt on that decision, and it's the right decision. 
to bring Atlanta back into the mix. It was the wrong decision to pull the game from that city before. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Don't do you remember that? I mean, they they were comparing and contrasting the voting laws in Georgia versus Colorado, where they moved it to Coors Field, and they were virtually identical to what the new law was becoming in Georgia. And the, the mainstream media didn't, you know, complain about that the way they did in Atlanta, even though they moved it to a location that had virtually the same setup. Crazy. Yeah, it's. Also predictable, too. Clay Travis joins us next. Always a great discussion here on Hot Mike with Hutton with Rome. Clay Travis will join us in a few minutes here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Glad you're with us across the network and on YouTube. Streaming live, you can join us in the chat. And while you're there, we hope you'll subscribe. You can get all of the shows live or on demand each and every day, plus clips and much more. That's just by searching out OutKick on YouTube and subscribing to the channel. Chad, uh, Major League Baseball expansion is coming soon. But Rob Manfred says... It's only going to happen after they resolve whatever's going on with the A's in Vegas. And if the Rays are really serious with ownership about staying in Tampa and actually building a stadium that's worth something. Tampa has a setup where they've tarped off uh, seats. I think they, they seat 25,000. And I, I guess there's a rule where if you tarp them, you can't untarp them. Can you imagine wanting to actually go to those games now in Tampa because of their team? And it's, I mean, they announced a, a sellout of 25,000 this past weekend, but that's as high as they can get. Yeah, and that was a, a probably at least half Braves fans. Yeah. I was watching that series, and it sounded like a Braves home game at times. There are a lot of Braves fans in Florida for years of being the Southeast regional team. So that was a Braves-heavy crowd. Speaking of the Braves, let's start there as Clay Travis joins us, uh, the president of OutKick, our fearless leader. Clay, good to have you, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh, doing doing great. Uh, what did you make whenever you saw the headline that and, and Manfred admitting that they're, they're reconsidering going back to Atlanta for the All-Star game in 2025 after removing it over a voting law that was passed in Georgia in 21? Well, I'm glad that Georgia cured racism um, in the two yeah. years since the All-Star game was removed. That's a big moment for America, a big win for sports community, for, for global equity. I mean, no, look, Rob Manfred's an idiot, um, particularly on this issue, uh, because the evidence was never there. And this is what super frustrates me is when something catches a lot of uh, heat on social media but you actually look at the evidence and nothing supports it. Um, and as you actually break down what truly took place there, um, overall voting went up. Minority voting uh, was uh, easier than it had been in past elections. They, they said that basically 0% of all minorities in, uh, in, uh, in all of Georgia felt discriminated against. The overall turnout was up massively in 2022 as opposed to the last midterm election in 2018. And, I mean, this is the real kicker. They were going to honor Hank Aaron, yep. uh, who yeah. probably for uh, the history of, of baseball, how many people are more impactful for the rise of black players 
than Hank Aaron and what he represented, certainly becoming the home run king in in Atlanta and in Major League Baseball. And so um, I, it's just uh, I, I think it's a emblematic. I like to think that maybe this stupidity of left wing politics being involved in sports is going to start to fade uh, because I doubt Rob Manford is ever going to apologize to the people of Georgia or the people of Atlanta. But as I argued back then, there was no basis to support it. But also the people of Atlanta who would have made a lot of money off getting to host the all-star game were the real losers. Now, the ultimate, I would say, karmic justice was that the Braves went to the World Series and got to host the World Series instead, which, you know, we just had the All-Star Game in, in Seattle. I'm and sure won. most people, yeah, right. Um, I, I'm sure most people out there have given the choice between hosting the World Series or hosting the All-Star Game. I mean, that's not a difficult choice. So I think the karmic sports justice, you know, the ball don't lie component of that story ended up in a good place for Atlanta uh, and Georgia sports fans. But it still set the precedent of it being the wrong choice. And yeah. the same thing happened with the NBA when they pulled their all-star game out of, uh, out of Charlotte. That was the wrong choice, too. Um, I'm hopeful that we've seen now two wrong choices, and hopefully uh, these leaks will learn from the, the choice that was made there. And, and just the, the fact that they listened to the, you know, the, the vocal mob there and then they moved it to Colorado. So Georgia had just passed a law where they were allowing 17 days of in-person early voting, and they moved it to a state clay that offers 15 <laughs> days of early voting. Yeah, and, and and I mean, look the the reality is baseball fell victim to a lie, but there aren't any real consequences, right? Because it wasn't just baseball. Joe Biden traveled down to. Uh, to the state of Georgia and compared their election law to the Civil War and compared uh, the uh, compared what was going on there. He said it wasn't just Jim Crow. It was Jim Eagle. Now, that's a stupid line, uh, one of many stupid lines yeah. Biden's had in his presidency. But they were, what they were trying to do was argue, you know, Jim Crow was bad. This is even worse than the 1950s era Jim Crow laws. And it was just a lie. And so he went down, made those speeches, um, and, the, and then the data comes out, proves that he was 100% wrong. And all the media that carried the water, that carried the lie that Joe Biden spread, most of them say nothing. Most of the sports media who cheered on the decision to pull the all-star game out of Atlanta uh, say nothing when they're proven to be wrong. Rob Manfred won't admit hey, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I would, if I were the governor of Georgia, insist if Atlanta's going to host the All-Star game that Rob Manfred come out and apologize to Braves fans and say, this is, we, we got it wrong. We apologize to data. I mean, that, that's what adults should do uh, when you're wrong about something. Own it. Um, and uh, it won't happen, right? And the and the media that carried that lie will never say, hey, you know what? We got that wrong in retrospect. And there's a difference between being wrong on an opinion, which is virtually impossible to prove, right? And being wrong factually, which is what Major League Baseball was and has been proven now to be. Clay, I value your opinion, so I need you to weigh in on this. You heard my 8U softball coaching story where I received my <laughs> second umpire warning. He can relate to this. Yesterday. The first one was for not removing the bat in time as the coach pitch pitcher. 
Um, but this one was because I was talking to my first baseman from the third base dugout and yelled, hey, it was a bad call, but so what? We have to move on. And the umpire heard, hey, it was a bad call. And she looked in the dugout and said, don't ever say that again. That's a warning. And we had to have a conversation in between innings after I just said simply, yes, ma'am. Clay, as someone who has been kicked out of their son's Little League baseball game, you are an expert in all things dealing with a, an umpire in softball, baseball, anything. How would you rule on this one with me? Was I in the right? Was I in the wrong? Was it somewhere in the middle? First one, you're 100% in the right, because given the circumstances, as I understood it, there was no play at the plate that was potentially going to occur. And so the idea that you should have to come out and move the bat was not accurately applied. No one was getting paralyzed on the play at the plate is what I was trying to tell the umpire. Like, I'll get it out of here before someone breaks their neck. Don't worry. I I also have coached a little league baseball for, for years. Um, I've never been told that as the coach, I'm responsible for removing the bat. Right. Um, so I, you know, I've been told certainly, Hey, tell your team, because, uh, as, as anybody who's coached little league can well imagine a lot of kids like really fling the bat. I mean, that's probably the most dangerous thing, uh, associated with little league baseball is kids don't have great sense of control either in throwing, uh, the baseball oftentimes, you know, like they don't really know where it's going to go. Uh, it's a lot of uh, Rick Wild thing bonds out there. Um, and also, they don't really know what strength is required to get the bat and move it. So, like, sometimes you'll see, like, I mean, kids will, <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. You'll be like, hey, get the bat. Kid picks it up and just hums it, right? Like, I've, I've, I've taken a couple of those bats in the shins where, like, you're not really expecting, you know, you're talking to somebody else in the dugout and suddenly that fast baseball bat comes in there at a fast speed. So you're in the right there. Other one though, I would say this, I think you are serving a dual purpose on the instruction to the first baseman because, Hey, you've got to be, you know, paying attention. Your message is also, she blew the call, right? So you're telling your, (laughs) yeah, you're telling your, your, your person, Hey, she blew the call while also being, but you've got to pay attention, right? You didn't just say, hey, you've got to, you know. So I think you're, it, it's a lot of times you'll see coaches, and, I, and I've done this too, you'll, you'll see coaches, like, when they get teed up. Did he get sniped? I guess he did. Oh, man, we were right in the middle of a great answer I, on that. Well, yes, we were. Uh, we'll reconnect in just a moment. I, I, uh, By my, the way, Clay is, uh, is correct – the more oh. I think about it, I think psychologically. Oh yeah, she what I'm one, saying she it, I said point. it. I said it in a way where I wanted her to know that I knew it was a bad yeah. call, while also looking at my player and and addressing it <laughs> and saying it. I also had a great out <laughs> when I went up to her to explain it and say, "Hey, I wasn't there. You were closer, but she clearly thinks it was the wrong call, and she's the one right there on top of it." So I'm explaining to my first baseman. Avery, my first baseman, Avery, we got to keep playing. We can't get frustrated because of, of a perceived bad call. I, Clay's on to something there with the psychology behind it. The, the other uh, favorite part for me of the story, and I, I was going to chime in with Clay all this, is how you describe the two umpires. Not only, uh, you know, is it just, it's just one umpire on the field, right? It's just the yeah, plate we, umpire. We, only one. Which makes it very difficult. It, it, there's almost an elderly description to them. 
as you describe this. Yeah, and I think that uh, it's there's funny because here. there's a mother-daughter tandem that <laughs> umpired all my games. When I went to the other field and played two games, I think it was this umpire's daughter who umpires Okay, us. and then and, Oh, and so she's heard great, about you. I have a great rapport with her. I've never had an issue. Oh, she wasn't the other one. She's just very chatty. There's another umpire who like oh. talks to me and talks to my girl. She's very nice. So her daughter hasn't warned you. Hey, great swing, sweetheart. Try that one again. You know, this yeah. and that. Like, very good, good with all the girls. As it should be. Yeah. But I, there are times where I'm like, okay, now it's time for me to talk to my team. So I appreciate the, <laughs> the you know, trying Who's to cheer us up. Here? But I, I, need to, I need to talk to my team now. But she does a good job. And this other, I want to be clear, this umpire I think is really good. Do I think she missed the call badly? Oh, we know you think yes, that. Yes, she did. But she's also a very, I would describe her as one of the best umpires we've ever encountered <laughs> in this league. So it did hurt a little bit when she gave me the warning. Clay, I was actually agreeing with you. The more I dive into this deep into my psyche, I do think that I was trying to serve a dual purpose by oh, saying yeah. it as loud 100%. as I did and saying, hey, it's a bad call, but so what? You know, pause. She only heard the first so part. But so what? And she heard the first part, and she she warned me. Yeah, it's like if you, you're you married, I'm married. If I say, yeah, your mom's wrong, but you still have to listen to her, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and your wife is there, and you're, like, trying to instruct the kid. Um your wife is might be like, well, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> yeah, the end result, I understand what you're arguing, but you're taking a side swipe at me along the pathway there. Right. So you're trying, I think the ump was fair in the way that she was responding in that situation. Well, right? so, I, so I took the next step though, Clay. And I said, yes, ma'am, we'll talk after the inning. And I approached her at the inning. This is where I thought, a little bit unfair in the beginning that she didn't even want to talk to me. Like, he's like, we, don't, we don't need to <laughs> talk about, about it. You. And I'm walking over there. And keep in mind that like six of my parents coach the little league team in our league for their respective teams. So I've got a lot of coaches' kids. And one of the women who coaches, who's uh, her daughter's the catcher on my team. As I'm walking to the umpire between innings, she goes, "Chad, you don't need to explain anything to her because they were so mad about the call." And I said, "It's the first yeah. inning. I don't want her on my bad side the whole game. I'm going to go talk to her." And I said, hey, I said, I'm sorry. I said, here was my real intent was to get her to keep playing. But, Clay, I think you nailed it that also my intent was to make sure she knew that I knew that it was a horrendous call. Yeah. Yes. Clay. Yes, I think that's it. And, and I was saying when, when I got dropped, did you watch the All-Star game last night? Yeah. Like, I don't know how you missed a call on whether they stepped on first base or not, um, particularly in girls softball, eight-year-old, which is, I'm assuming, not a super fast-moving sport, just as a, as a general rule. Maybe Florence Griffith Joyner's on one of the teams. And, you know, there's somebody <laughs> not, not on my the team. Uh, can't confirm. Yeah, She's right. not on my in team, general, that's for sure. In general, I think, you know, usually speed makes, you know, being an, an umpire harder because the, uh, the, the, you know, there's just way more rapidity of game or whatever. So I would think AU would not be a sport where there's a, a great deal of speed, but... Um, they missed it last night in the all-star game. Uh, they had not just the home plate umpire, the third base umpire. And then honestly, I think you should get fired on the spot. If this happened, <laughs> they had a right and left field umpire and the left field umpire missed the call on whether it was a home run or not fair or foul. What else does he have to do? I mean, he's literally standing on the, on the line on left field all he has to do is turn and follow the ball and he missed whether the home run was fair or foul. And so like, I mean, you know, when they, when they have big games, they bring out more umpires on the field. 
that should be one that you never, ever get wrong unless, you know, you had one of those Jeffrey Meyer-like situations back in the day where a fan reaches out onto the field. People remember that in Yankee Stadium. I think it was right field. Uh, the guy was trying to make the catch, and he reaches out. And so that can be hard because you don't have great depth perception. But whether a home run is fair or foul, if you're on the left field line, should be among the easiest calls on the planet to make. Clay Travis has been our guest on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. With us, Hutton and Withrow, Hot Mike here on Al Kick. Our thanks to Clay Travis for joining us, Dan Dockich earlier. If you missed that, you can go to our YouTube channel later and uh, search it out. Search out Outkick, and you can get us on demand. Clay ruled uh, that I'm one and one on uh, the umpire warnings. The first one, not warranted. I was totally in the right. And the second one, that uh, she if had you, me. If you had another, what would happen? Is there three warnings, and you got to well, go sit with, so, uh, sit with family? Or? That's a good question. So uh, it's funny because one of the dads was listening on our, our Nashville radio affiliate, 94.9 The Fan, and just sent a text to the entire team, group text to parents, and said, Coach is recapping 8U softball from this past weekend right now on air. So we got a shout-out there. Uh, it's just in-game. It's not. It doesn't carry on with you. If I, if I were to get tossed from a game, which, by the way, will never happen. And that happened to Clay. Clay got tossed as a parent right. in the stands, right? But I, as a coach <laughs> or a parent, like, I'll never let it get to that point where I come in any danger of getting tossed. I mean, I, w- I thought she was in the wrong, and even when she gave me the warning, I said, yes, ma'am. And I said, I'll come talk to you after the inning. I did not continue to argue because had I continued to argue, I could have been tossed. If I get tossed, I think you're just up to the discipline of the league. They can decide whatever they want. They can kick you out of coaching. They can suspend you for another game. They can do whatever they want at that point. Two weeks without pay or and ends up uh, being yeah. with cost. Uh, that would just go on by two years without pay that I've been <laughs> going right now as a volunteer coach. It is time to get weird. Let's get weird. Davey Hudson with the top headlines in that area today. And uh, where are we starting, Davey? And five, four, three, two, one, zero. Talking now. Okay, guys, we're starting <laughs> with blood vessels. All right, I just have a fact of the day for you. I want okay. to go into this. Chad, listen gonna, to this with your feet. Just going to read it. Yeah, Chad, this is very important. So, uh, uh, this is a down, Now it's going to be confirmed that I am dying. Now this statistic is from the National Heart Lung and Blood Institute, and it says blood vessels could circle the globe. Your blood vessels could circle the globe, though blood vessels are relatively small. The network is amazingly long. In fact, if they were laid out in a line, they would measure more than 60,000 miles in length. Now, considering that the circumference of the, of the Earth is 24,873 miles, that's according to NASA, that means your blood vessels could circle the globe more than twice. And that's just for everyone, like everyone's blood vessels. As an as an adult, average yes. adult person. Have you seen the cadaver where they have everything removed except for the blood vessels? Well, I it's this crazy is this is another thing at. that I don't know about. Like, does Andre the Giant? Did he have longer blood vessels, being the giant that he was? Uh, he, he would because he's a, long, people? he's a bigger person, so right. the blood vessels run throughout every single. So it is size dependent. It's not like you know the heart is the same size. Pretty much, no matter what, how big you are, your blood vessels can be bigger with the body. Yes, that's, that is a fair statement. It's a make. good medical fact that you brought to the table yes. today, Dave. I'm, I'm very impressed because it raises so many more questions to Dr. me. Dr. Hudson. And when you bring up a good fact, 
it should raise some questions. Yes. That's good. I, I bring that up because my next story, you could clog every single one of those those vessels okay. and those arteries. Because So Burger King in Thailand, they are releasing a cheeseburger with 20 slices of cheese. And now, that's, And that's uh, with the patty just covered in well, the 20 slices? it's false it's advertising a- for starters, and that's where I'm a little perturbed because there actually is no beef on this, yet they're calling it a cheeseburger. I'm already frustrated. You see the guy eating yeah, it here in Thailand. I mean, it's it's 20 American slices. We're looking at about 1,100 calories there. That's not it's a meal. About, that's a fetish. That is that is something. And I mean, I've told you guys I can't I can't stand <laughs> cheese, but with this guy doing this and they're them serving it, I mean, everybody knows the BK jingle that's been going off uh, over the last I don't know six months now. Well, actually, it was back in I football this, season, so close to a year. I put this fetish right behind watching someone sleep. Yeah, we had to cut away from what that Thai man did to that sandwich after that bite, so that we couldn't show that on air. That's yeah. that's how that's how bad it got. <laughs> Twenty slices. Um, Hutton, I was watching the food that built America. Uh, one of the episodes this morning. It's a little clip from that about oh, yeah, the sell of Burger King to Pillsbury <laughs> and what happened when that happened. They declined. Um, yeah, year this after is year. not. It is. It, it, I, I once I I went down the uh, the wormhole of is it wormhole or rabbit hole? What are we going with? What's the judge wrong on that? Uh, Either. It yeah. can go either way? Okay. I'll go wormhole on this one. But of extreme menu items at fast food restaurants internationally, like things they'll have at McDonald's in Bangkok, you know, or whatever, yeah. or Burger yeah. King in the Philippines. And this is actually pretty tame compared to what you'll find at fast food places, some places around the world. So, like, Just instead a specific- of a fish, fish fillet sandwich, they'll have... Like something crazy. Yeah, I'm struggling to come up with the, the perfect example. Clam but sandwich. They'll have something that's local to the culinary scene that is a fast food item that you would not Squid, get at any of octopus. those places around the world. So right. it, uh, one example that came to Things mind. Things we would have an whenever eel, we're uh, eel, Fried eel well, in, for the filet of fish In the Philippines, <laughs> they serve spaghetti at their McDonald's. Oh, they serve spaghetti? In the Philippines. But it's not as we would but recognize that, that's, it. But that's the example what I'm right? talking about. It's yeah. something crazy that you wouldn't get. So it's any a, of the fast food. It's an old Fazoli's, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's, they changed over. They they probably give <laughs> so you normal size portions too, in everywhere else but America. It's not at all. Fazoli's still do the there. lunch buffet. Remember they had like the little buffet, but all you could get was spaghetti or a slice of pepperoni pizza. Oh, you know what the best? The best was going to the the salad. Uh, the salad bar, and then getting a personal pan pizza at Pizza Hut. Oh, my gosh. Don't get me started on – Joe Kinsey writes about this all the time with screen caps at OutKick. Yeah. But the old school Pizza Hut, and he's got one. It's like on the Ohio – I want to say it's like the Ohio-Indiana maybe border. Yeah. And it's in Ohio, but it is an original like 1981 Pizza Hut that has not changed. That is still the low lamp light. That's from still the in business, and, and it's got the whole setup: the the buffet. They had the the it's the, like McDonald's. The they had soda pitchers. Yes. remember the yes. red pitchers for yep. soda they'd give you. Oh, it was the best. That's is it, Americana at its best. Why change? Am I right on this? The the holy trinity of Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and KFC. Those are the three that united. That are owned by the same company now, right? But don't you do you ever remember seeing those? Like you drive by and it's like one restaurant and it has all three of them inside. Yeah, we had a. Uh, uh, in, I remember it was a big deal in high school in my hometown when there was a KFC Taco Bell combo. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen all three in one. I've seen two. There's now like Mapco's convenience stores have Pizza Huts in them. They have a deal with with Mapco. Huh. 
There's a lot where, of pizza huts inside that's of That's where I don't trust if what I'm ordering is actually what's on the, the plate. Well, what's if crazy it's a long is John when Silvers you, and, you know. Yeah, uh, you go to one of those places, though, and you, in your bag, you get like Taco Bell at Taco Bell KFC, and there's a random half a chicken tender. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's just thrown in the bag also that when they scooped up the, out of the fryer, they got some chicken in there also. That's a little odd. Well, guys, speaking of Flavortown, our next story involves Guy Fieri because his son, Hunter, is now dating the world's number one ranked pro pickleball player. Didn't know they had a world ranking for this, but that is the case. And, I mean, I'm going to be honest, she is a smoke show. Her name is Tara Bernstein, and I I don't really know where you can – I guess YouTube, you can watch different streams of pickleball players, but uh, she and Hunter have made it Instagram official – and, you know, it's just anytime you can show uh, some photos of Guy Fieri, it just, uh, you know, it just puts a smile on most people's face. Uh, my favorite video of Guy is from a concert in 2015. This shows legendary status when you're autographing lean cuisines and throwing them out to a crowd of concert goers. I mean, that is just next level in my opinion. I have never, I've never enjoyed any restaurant of Guy Fieri's. He owns what? There's one here in downtown Nashville, Chicken Guy or Chicken Man. He owns a chain of chicken restaurants, and I think it's Chicken Guy. But I've never been. He's got different concept restaurants all over the country, and I've, I've never been to one of them. Now, I, I do like his work on diners, drive-ins, and dives. Big fan of that on Food Network. Um, Chuck, who works with us here at Outkick, huge pickleball guy. Maybe Chuck knows the ranking of this woman and how good she is, and he could come in and tell us just how, how skilled she is at pickleball. But um, good for him. Good for Fieri Jr. So, yeah, we'll... And this we'll, is Hunter, his son? Hunter, yes. We'll continue well to, done, to keep uh, tabs on this relationship to see how it goes. You know, i got to make sure the, the pop culture, everything, keep you going. Does he also have the frosted tips? Uh, he does not. No, he, he seems pretty normal. I mean, he does have a, a mustache that I would say is pretty, like, hey, you know, your dad's kind of got that going as well. Yeah, but it, that's um, in style. Ironic right? mustache. So, does it... Fieri, does he still have – do you ever just go full goatee or was it more just soul patch? I don't know for whatever reason always, I'm kind of drawing the I think he's always rocked the, the – well, he's got a goatee there. It's okay. The soul patch is, is blonde. That's I think it. his calling card is to dye the soul patch and to keep the, the goatee his actual color. Okay. Yeah, I don't – you ever think whenever he's actually dyeing the blonde uh, patch that he's thinking to himself – I'm 55, 56 years old. What the hell am I doing? When was the crossover point that he, at one point he thought it was cool. So he went on TV that way because he thought it was cool. Yeah, and wait, then how the quickly into his, his tenure on television did he say, this is now awful, but I have to keep it up. This is yeah. the ruse. I have to keep Undertaker going now for Kane, the rest of my they, life. They are known. I mean, they had to be in character all the time. Undertaker refused to break character. It's like when you wanted to get a tattoo as a kid. You could barely move in the ring. As a, as a young person, your parents would say, Oh, think about how it's going to look when you're 80 and it's all stretched out yeah. and your skin's all wrinkly. That is what someone should have told Guy Fieri when he did that to his hair. You know what, though? And his soul patch the first time and said, imagine you at 50 trying to pull this off. But then he sees Skip Bayless wearing a chain at 71 and he thinks, you know what? I can, I can do that. I can pull this off. He's also just laughing all the way to the bank. So whatever he's done has worked financially for him. No doubt. Well, guys, that story involves pickleball. We're going to go to one that actually involves tennis next because we have the reason according to the AP, as to why Larry Nassar was stabbed. Okay. Yes. 
So because he was Larry Nasser. Well, that that was a part of it, but it's actually uh, and again, you just I guess this goes to show the state of America's prisons at, at this time. But a suspect told prison workers he stabbed Larry Nasser because he made a lewd comment when they were watching the Wimbledon match. <laughs> well, that's how he confirmed it was Larry Nasser. Wait a second, you're you're Nasser, and then he stabbed in the neck. Was it the same? Was it immediate, or was it like the next day? Do we know? I I don't have that. That that is all I have from the AP at this moment. Um, got an email of of that happening not long ago, and so or or that that was what was released all, and so i'm like i'm bringing it to, here to stab him over it must have been quite the lewd comment i'm shocked that anyone in prison what he's done anyone in prison's a big tennis fan that someone's that big in a tennis that they stab someone over a comment made while watching the biggest tennis. the biggest guy in the prison was a tennis fan he's going to control are the you, remote are you talking about my guy medvedev right now do you really want to go do you want to go over this and then he got stabbed <laughs> And well, guys, they don't have a draft. For, I don't feel sorry for him at all. No, no, not at all. Uh, they, they don't have a draft for tennis or pickleball, as, as far as I know. But the MLB does have a draft. I learned that you don't actually even have to declare for the MLB draft. As long as you meet the requirements, any team can select you if they would like. And so that is the recent case. Kind of get back to some sports because DJ Ui Angagale, I think well I'm saying done. that right, yes. Uh, you did former, not. <laughs> it's, it's fine. We'll roll with it. It was For, close. You, you were close. Former Clemson quarterback who is now at Oregon State. I didn't hear, did you say it wrong? Say it one more time. It's Uangalale. DJ Uangalale. Yeah, you're, you're pronouncing every You made the mistake of pronouncing well done, every letter. Yeah. You're not supposed to. So uh, continue. Sorry. Wait, no, no, you're good. He got drafted by the Dodgers, but he hasn't played high school since baseball. And based off all reports, like he has no plans on doing so. Yeah. So, I mean, like some Russell people. Wilson. Yeah, some people are saying uh, he made uh, the team just, why would you waste that draft pick? But I'm thinking, you know what? That's not a terrible strategy if you're wanting some PR because, I mean, that's what they got here. And I I would do it like a a step further, and I would draft Danny McBride. And that way you have Kenny Powers on your baseball team in the 20th round. It's not going to matter because, like, when's the last time a 20th round guy ended up turning into something? I mean, it takes so long to get these guys up to the majors, too. Like, they just want the rights in, in case they can lure, if his NFL career sucks, they can lure him to Major well, he League won't Baseball. Have, I don't think he'll have an NFL career. Uh, I think with him, what Davey's saying is different from the celebrity standpoint, which I could understand. Yeah, as it's different. Uwongo Lale was a guy who threw 95 in high school, and he's 6'4", 250 pounds. So I do think that they're thinking, you know, this guy, maybe we can take a flyer on him in the 20th round and turn him into a closer or middle reliever. Yeah. At some point, because he's that good of an athlete. So I think that's actually pretty smart to go with guys in different sports that have baseball background. If you're gonna if you're gonna take a flyer, do it in the later rounds. It's like uh, that way. Antonio Gates in the NFL. Yes, playing basketball, known for that. Yep, ends up becoming the, the great tight end with the Chargers. Jimmy Graham and others as well. Stay tuned. Headlines and much more straight ahead here on Hot Mike.